All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mondays Down South. Uh, we got the guys on the line here. Took a week off for Memorial Day, uh, but we should have a an awesome episode here. Get some college football going. So, uh, Zach, you want to say hello, and then we'll let we'll let Cy come on and introduce uh, a new guest this week. Sure. What's up, viewers? What's up, listeners? This is personally one of my favorite topics. This topic is going to be the uh, top five college football traditions. So I know all of us are looking forward to it. Cy, I'll give you uh, I'll I'll give it to you, and and you maybe you can introduce your uh, one of your really good friends from college, and we can hit the ground running, guys. Yeah, of course. Alrighty, guys. So this is a huge introduction for me personally because this man Holden is the reason I ever even got into the podcast game. H, shout out to the HMAC show, the the OG. RIP the HMAC show. RIP, but it was it was a beautiful beautiful time. Um, <laughs> this man used to have me on all the time as his fantasy football analyst. It, it got me super excited about all this, and here we are today, a couple years later. Holden and I were best friends from the University of South Carolina. Um, Holden is your go-to college football analyst. When I went to school there, if I ever needed to know any facts, he was the man I went to. So I was super excited when you guys said college football to bring this man on. So Holden, please say what's up to the, the guests. Let, let them know where you're from and uh, we'll get the ball rolling. First and foremost, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, I did have a podcast back in the day uh, with Cy. I, I nicknamed him Fantasy Guy Cy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I remember that. Yeah, I don't know that. He was so proud of that. Take it. Oh, he was proud of it? Oh, he oh, was yeah. all proud of it. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I, I used to have Cy on there. Back in the day, Cy, uh, Cy and I would, would talk all the time. I, I usually have signed my, my fantasy leagues too. So, um, but it's, it's an honor to be on here. Like I said, I, I had one of these in the past. I really enjoyed it and uh, listened to one of y'all's episodes already. Really enjoy what y'all are doing and really excited to be talk, talking college football. Um, growing up in South Carolina, we don't have pro sports. So, college, college football is, is king down here, you know, and it, same can be said for, for most Southern states. Um, so college football is my passion. I'm super excited to, to be here tonight talking to y'all about it. Hey, man, we're excited to have you. This is this is uh, some good stuff. All right, Holden, what, we're going we're gonna to get into that. But before we do, we're going to put maybe you on the spot because you didn't – I don't know if you knew this was happening, but we're going to talk about just sports in general for, you mm -hmm. know, for just a little bit, try to talk about what's been going on in the last week or so. Obviously, there haven't been a lot of live games, but there's been some traction in terms of some – leagues starting their seasons potentially sometime soon i know the nba was one of them they're trying to come up with plans to get the season rolling sometime towards the middle end of summer how do you guys feel about that what do you think is going to happen with this new format i think they proposed potentially the 10 best teams um, overall from the east and west i think is what i heard um and i think they're going to try to keep the playoffs going do you guys think there's credibility to that are you excited about the potential of that do you think it should happen i figured i'd ask you guys that yeah, I think I think that's the best way to do it for all of these leagues, like the NHL as well. I think has a somewhat similar format because I think like a lot of the teams at the bottom of the standings. I think a lot of their players have said like if there's nothing really on the line, like it's not really worth it for me to come back. So I think it makes sense, and but it's also kind of hard to just limit it to the eight that were seated in the top eight to begin with. So you kind of got to give some of the bubble teams an opportunity. Although with that, I mean, with that said, in the NBA, like the Eastern Conference is kind of locked up. I mean, I think the Wizards were nine, but they're five out of the playoff spot. So it's whereas the West, I think, is a little closer. You got like three or four teams that could get in. So it, it's kind of tricky. I think, you know, they've got a tough decision, but I think that's the best way to do it. Get a few lead in games to set the field and roll through the playoffs. 
Yeah, and I know Damian Lillard is like a prime example of someone who would yeah. oppose it. But at the end of the day, like you've had plenty of opportunity. I mean, look, they still played 50, what, 50, 60 games in the season before uh, COVID kind of delayed everything. So you really had quite the opportunity to, to make an impact and make a splash. And so the fact that we'll pick on the Portland Trailblazers, they're not really in contention right now of being included based on the NBA's preliminary plans. But at, at my point is like they're already in, they're already incorporating more playoff teams than they normally would in a season, right? So you're capturing those bubble teams, at least giving them a chance. And then for the 11, 12, 13 seed teams, like sorry, you missed your chance. You had 60 games to to try to make sure you were at least in playoff contention. And so I think guys like Damian Lillard and some of the other players that are voicing their frustration with that plan you know, they should just kind of maybe look more retroactively at their performance throughout the entire season. And I got this wrong, but I thought it was less teams. Like, I think the reason Dame was was annoyed and maybe I'm maybe I got this wrong was I think there's going to be a total of 10 teams that make the playoffs versus usually there's 16 teams. So I think maybe Dame was I don't know. This might have just been me getting it wrong. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's 10 teams from each conference. I mean, maybe you guys can correct me on that, but. Either way, all I know is I want to see this Western Conference Lakers Clippers matchup, and I I'm living for that. Like that's what I wanted all season. I wanted to get, I want LeBron and Kawhi to both get another chance to go for a ship. Like whatever it takes for that to happen, that's what I want. Hold any thoughts on the NBA? I, I don't I don't know if you've been keeping up, but I figure out. I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan. I tried to uh, to ignore <laughs> nice. that part of my life. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I keep I keep up with the NBA, you know, just as much as your your casual fan. But um, it, as far as being, you know, religious, as far as keeping up with it, you know, it's not not really not really me. Um, but you know, I'm kind of assigned the fact that I would like to see um, the the Clippers Lakers matchup, and I do want to see if if this is the year that the Bucks can kind of you know, take take the leap and and win it all. Yeah. You know. Yep. So. Yeah, and I, I just like touch, piggybacking off of that, Holden. Um, I like what you're talking about, like with the Bucks, because this year there's been this stigma behind. Oh man, COVID's robbing LeBron of a championship. Like mm-hmm. this would be a great opportunity <laughs> for him to show the world that he is truly the best player by winning championships with three organizations. And, you know, people are all talking about like how the Lakers are getting robbed and so they figure something out. But the Bucks have the best record in the NBA right now. So like if you were to go to the playoffs right now, the Bucks would be the one seed and then the Lakers would fall in at two. And then it would, you know, it would kind of disseminate uh, down from there. But I think the Bucks have a great opportunity to win it. And there's something I love about a mid-market organization. Like you have your New Yorks, you have your L.A.s, you have your main metropolitan cities. But Milwaukee is like a young blue collar to or it's like a it's like an old blue collar town and like a big beer drinking town. Like these people love their organizations. And I love I love the mid market. So like I wish the Bucks plenty of success, um, assuming that the NBA does come back in 2020. Speaking of LeBron, have y'all noticed that the entire Michael Jordan LeBron debate has vanished since the, the last dance <laughs> came out? <laughs> It hasn't. I, mean, it's, it's, I don't know if we can speak away. to that. Yeah, no, here's, here's the thing. I don't want to bring up the GOAT conversation because we could literally spend two hours just talking about that. But I will say, if anything, it's triggered the conversation for me more, and we'll talk about this. I just think a lot of people have recency bias, um, whereas, like, if this doc hadn't come out, like, people wouldn't be changing their minds so much. Like, you watch something from what happened, you know, 15 years ago, and obviously you're watching one of the greatest, if not the greatest player of all time, and then all of a sudden everybody's like, 
oh, who's LeBron James? And I'm like, oh, he's just the guy that for the last two decades has dominated the league. But, but the entire argument beforehand was built by recency bias by people our age and younger. We only saw Jordan with the Wizards. <laughs> Very good point. Or never saw him at all. We're going to have to move on. To the I love it. I'm going to start spewing all kinds of random facts here or, or opinions. So before, before we get into that, Zach, I think you had one more thing you wanted to address about a rule change in the NFL. Um, and then we'll get into college football. So you, you, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So as you may know by now, the NBA or the NFL is exploring um, a potential new rule change where instead of, um, you know, if you score and let's just say you're down and you're trying to compete in the game, you know, normally you would kick an onside kick. But the percentage, the success rate of of um, winning in an onside kick and actually recovering it is like less than 10%. And so it's obviously more of like an archaic part of football. It's not as exciting just because it's, you know, there's not really a high success of actually returning it and giving your team a chance. So the NFL is exploring a new idea. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I believe it is the the team that opts to not kick the onside kick would then have to go for it on a fourth and 15 at their own 25. Correct. And if they, if they didn't convert, then the other team would get the ball based on where the dead ball was. Right. Yeah. So what do you guys feel about that rule change? I, I find it exciting. I find it fun, but there's a, but there's a lot of people that are opposing it because you're now, you know, you know, we're in a world where there's Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson's and people who are just otherworldly that are just complete playmakers and people feel like that's actually kind of an unfair advantage. Um, so I wanted to get your all y'all's thoughts. Let me, real, real quick before we get the thoughts, to clarify, you're saying they can opt to go for a fourth and 25 as opposed to kicking their onside fourth kick. And and, uh, fourth and 15 at the 25. At the 25? At, yeah. at, the, at their team's 25. The drive continues. Yes. Is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, if that is the case, I will go first. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I think I think you should not be changing the onside kick. I think the point is the onside kick was a last-ditch Hail Mary kind of effort to get the ball back. If you are put yourself in a position where you need to kick an onside kick to have a chance to be in the game, then you shouldn't have a high percentage chance to convert. I also think a fourth and 15 is much easier to convert than an onside kick. And I don't like the idea of that if you put yourself in a position where you're two positions down or two possessions down and you're having to kick an onside kick. As a matter of fact, that's what makes the onside kick great because when people do recover it, it's special. Like converting a fourth and 15 isn't nearly as special. And I just don't think you deserve that. And I agree in a league where passing is dominated, like we see that happen all the time, not necessarily fourth and 15, but at least like like, you know, third and 15, like long, long conversion. So I'm not a fan of it personally, but Holden, go ahead. I did not know Cy was that much of a traditionalist, but uh, <laughs> um, let me say this. It, as a fan of football, I would really like to see it. As a fan of the Denver Broncos playing Mahomes twice a year, I would hate to see it. <laughs> um, I would, I would like it more because I'm kind of the mindset that it is much easier to get a fourth and 15 than an onside kick. I'd be more comfortable with fourth and 20 yeah, rather than fourth and 15. I feel like that kind of evens it out a little bit more. So yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I'm with the old. And if it was longer, I'd be more. If you would like, if it was fourth and 25, like you said before, I think I would have been more okay with it. Cause that's more of a true hail Mary of getting 25 yards. Yeah. But 
I don't know. That's where I feel. Ab, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm more on size side here. I mean, I, I generally don't like it. I do get why they want to make some kind of a change because the big issue with the onside kick was, I guess, when they changed the rule that you can't get a running start on the kickoff, I think, with the uh, so now or so now it's basically, you know, impossible to do it if, if they if they're expecting it. Whereas before you kind of, I think Zach, you probably had that like 10% chance, which I think is probably what you want in that situation. Like Sai, you said, it's like a last ditch Hail Mary, not something you would do in the middle of the game necessarily, except for maybe the one-off surprise, um, something like that. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't like the setup. Yeah. The fourth and 15, maybe a fourth and 20 um, would make more sense or something a little more difficult because I mean, I could see, like you said, like the chiefs just doing this every single time and converting it like a, you know, 30 40 percent ratio and you know yeah to me it would kind of remind me of playing like make it take it basketball against my 10 year old nephew you know (laughs) like where you never give him the ball back yeah every time yeah i mean without without chris without chris harris and with tyree kill and all and uh hardman all those guys coming against your broncos defense i can definitely understand why you're even less inclined um zach what about you man what do you think well, uh, after hearing what Holden just said, I'm not sure if you played intramural basketball with those guys like Matt Sue and Cy and HMAC and all them. But well, now I know why you guys are so good because you guys are playing competition that's 15, 15 years younger than y'all. <laughs> so let, let me let me explain this uh, or let me kind of elaborate on that. I was on the team freshman year and junior year, sophomore and senior year. Because I wasn't getting any playing time on that team, I went and created my own called the Full Court Mess. And we were oh, literally a full court mess. <laughs> uh, full move. I took the opposite path and I stayed on the team as a bench warmer and was totally happy with it because I was like, give me that t shirt, baby. Yeah, you just, rent, you yeah. did take a lot of pride in being a uh, I, I just wanted six that man t-shirt. and beyond or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah I just wanted a t shirt and I was like, I'll take it. But I respect Holden for starting that, that whole. So I would never blame him for it. And the other thing is, Zach, don't be talking smack about my intramural team because you would get absolutely <laughs> smoked by them with no contributions from me personally. I'm not saying I would have contributed <laughs> to you getting smoked by them, but we average like six foot three on an intramural team. So it's not even really fair. Yeah, um, I, want, I want no part of that. But I will say I was the intramural sport Virginia Tech MVP for three on three basketball. The best part, guys, if you want an award like that, join the beginner division. Join the beginner division. Don't that go was my next him. question. Was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's the catch? I, I, want, I want to share my favorite Matt intramural story real quick. Um, is, so we, we had a, a four-on-four football, flag football league, and Matt did not show up for a single game, like, the entire time. We get to the, the championship. I think he either, like, was playing basketball or he just didn't care to come. Either way. So he didn't show up until the championship game. And then we get into the championship game. We obviously don't start him. And he complains the entire game that he is not, like, on the field. Like, dude, you didn't show up to a single game. And now you're complaining because we're not playing you? Like, I'm here to do the shorter. I'm definitely so bad doing that. I'm going to make sure he listens to this for sure. I can't I wait. He does. There we go. Zebo, what do you, what do you think about the, uh, the rule before we jump into college football? Uh, I kind of like it. It makes things more exciting. Um, I think the NFL is trying to pander to a younger crowd right now too. Um, and so I think, I think 
that the onside kick is a bit archaic. I think the success rate is a is just not appealing to the eye given the fact that it's actually less than 10%. I think it's running about like 8% success rate year over year. And so I think it would be I think it would be interesting for them to try it. But um, after hearing what you and Evan had alluded to, I know you guys are kind of taking the same consensus on this. Uh, both of what, like, you know, what you guys are both saying, it just makes sense. Like, it's more traditional. Um, it kind of gives, like, the team that's down, like, more of a chance, I feel like, to kind of come back. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you're up and you're, and you're dominating the game, then, you know, the opposing team needs to kind of have it harder to crawl them, crawl their way back in. So, um, yeah. I kind of I hear what you're saying, but I also think it would be pretty exciting for the game if they did make that change. I think all four of us agree that it would be the most fun option, but it wouldn't necessarily be the most fair option, right? I think I think that's kind of right. We're right. All this. Um, anyway, yeah. Cultural ball. We haven't talked about it yet, and yes. we're excited to do it because we have not done so in any of the episodes. So we'll get the ball rolling. Holden, I know uh, I know it's your first time, so just so you know, the way we do it is we do a uh, top five, start from five. Everyone gives their five, then four, and then three, then two, then one. And before we go, um, we're going to have everyone explain kind of what their mentality was and putting their list together. Because with something like traditions and something that's subjective, like everyone probably takes a completely different approach to it. So um, we, we're just going to explain like how we how we went about it. And then we'll start with our five. And uh, as our guest, go go ahead, sir. You're gonna, you can kick going us off. First? Are we going snake draft or are we just going fixed order? We'll just go fixed order for now, but okay. you know, so, sometimes we switch it up. You know, sometimes <laughs> in there, you know. So um, I picked the the way you explained it to me was the five best, not yeah. your five most favorite. It's the five That's best. That's fair. Um, if we were going by favorites, and I'll include these in my honorable mention. You know, obviously, as a South Carolina fan, I'm going either 2001, begin the game, or Sandstorm. But yeah. if we're being honest. Is it the most unique? No. So what I based mine off of was uh, unique to that school. Um, When you think of that brand, do you think of this tradition? Uh, And I think four out of the five, all of them except my number one, I've actually seen in person. Um, So also based off of experience. So uh, I think with number five, I'm going to start with uh, tailgating at the Grove. I, I understand that, you know, tailgating is everywhere, but tailgating at the Grove is just different. It is like, it is organized chaos, yet so peaceful and fun. Like, that, you know, there's no cars there. It's just tents everywhere. Um, people are super friendly. And my experience there was, was awesome. So I included it as, as my number five. Cool. Yeah, cool, I don't I've, I've of, heard it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I've a lot of disputes on that one. I don't know if any of us three have actually done it uh, out of the three of us, but at the same time, like from everything I've ever seen or viewed, it just looks like something that is just insane and something you got to try at some point, right? So that sounds awesome. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, and actually piggybacking off of that, that was my five too, so I might as well just jump in next. Uh, I haven't experienced it either, but I've, I've seen it, I've like seen it on TV and I've been like immediately jealous. I mean, we're talking about the Holy Grail of tailgating guys. Like the Grove is like 10 acres in the middle of campus that is filled with over a hundred thousand fans, like on a game day. And like, you can actually like the police have to stack out like the, the, um, the, like the, 
land there like the night before so people don't like prematurely start tailgating because like classes are still going on and like like it's like the center of campus like you can't just start tailgating there early and so i thought i thought that was pretty cool the only downside to the grove is because it is a southern school they have a tendency of dressing up so we're talking like frat boys and button downs and girls in sundresses like don't get me wrong it's cool it's, a, it's it's unique to their tradition but i respect the south carolina way of just dressing up in jerseys and rocking out a different way not having to be super prim and proper and formal um like my arch nemesis uva so just saying oh. that's my thoughts on it but the grove the grove came in at number five for me too i'll i'll say we're somewhere in between you and uva we're probably 50 50 we get we definitely got our you know our frat boys that are wearing your chubbies and your and your button downs but we also got people like me and holden that are sporting our uh south carolina polos or our jerseys so i, I think yeah. I, there are a lot of college kids at Ole Miss who actually make like their side hustle setting those people's tailgates up. So that would have been that would have been an awesome like college job to have because I'm pretty sure they open up um, the field at like Friday night, and so these kids' jobs and they'll hire like people to go run out and then stake the spot out for them, and then it's their job to all set it up. I mean, that'd be like that'd be an amazing college job to have. So that's that sounds true. Yeah, sounds epic. Um, Ed, what you got? All right. So number five, I guess I made my list. Um, some of them are a little more general and I kind of combined a couple here and there. Um, and some of them aren't necessarily specific to certain schools. Um, and I guess it is closer to just like the ones I, I enjoy, sort of. Um, so number five is kind of a combination of like obscure mascot tradi- traditions, not necessarily obscure, but just awesome. So the Sooner Schooner. Okay. It's my personal favorite, and this is in part because they knocked it over. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, and I, I loved every bit of that, mainly because no one got hurt, of course. Um, yeah. So enjoyed that, and then the Florida State Seminole guy, Chief, Chief Os- whatever his name is, Osceola. you know, playing the Osceola, yeah, there you go, um, playing the spirit midfield. Um, so those types of kind of obscure mascot uh, intros coming out of the, uh, the tunnel. Yeah, so we've kind of lined this up perfectly in terms of the way that we're going with the order because I had a more similar situation to Ev with putting together my list where I took a pretty general approach. It was more holistic, so I kind of referenced like things that happen at most big or big you know college football schools and like why why I enjoy them. So number five for me was actually very similar to Evans. I had both mascots and I had the hand signs because I I love the tradition of college football where like certain schools have that affiliation, whether you're, you go on hook them or go Gamecocks or even the chomp as much as I hate Florida sometimes. Like I, those are just such cool traditions. And when you're a student at those, any of those schools that have those kinds of signs, like every chance you get, you're throwing it up, you know, as, as a symbol of pride, which is, which I think is just so cool. Like every time we did the, you know, go Gamecocks, I was always like, I always had chills when we were first doing it. So I love that. And then mascots, like Evan said, um, Boomer Sooner was a perfect example. Like there's just so many entertaining mascots in college football that, um, you know, have their own goofy tendencies and their own, their own vibes. And I think that's something that whether you're a fan of football or not, when you, when you watch those, like when somebody comes to a game and sees it for the first time, I think people are very entertained by it. So that was number five for me. Um, Holden kicking over to you for four, buddy. All right. Number four. Um, I actually really don't like this school. And I, I kind of think, uh, the way in which they go about it is stupid. But uh, Midnight Yell for Texas A&M is, is my number four. Um, it, it's really cool in the fact that they can get that many people 
um, to, to come to it, to like get out at midnight and, and practice their cheers. But, um, so I don't know if you went to it, but the first time we played A&M in 2014, when uh, it was at home and when they, when they go to an away uh, game, they'll mm-hmm. pick a destination to, to have their midnight yell at. Well, they picked it on the steps of our state house, which to me was like so disrespectful. So and they complained, they complained that so many South Carolina fans showed up to oppose them. Well, like, what do you expect us to do? You're, you're on, <laughs> you know? And they they crack stupid jokes like, uh, how do you know the the toothbrush was invented in South Carolina because anywhere else has been a toothbrush? It was stupid, like corny jokes like that. But the concept of like having people there and and doing that at midnight to me was pretty cool. So it's unique yeah. to them. So I put it number four. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that was the Manzel Manzel era. Of, of oh, a- no, that was the Kenny Hill. Kenny Hill. Kenny era. True. Kenny Trill, where he threw for 500 <laughs> yards. And yeah. He, they they smoked Right us. after Manzel. They smoked us. Um, not, not excited about Jimbo Fisher running that squad now, too, because now we just added another crazy opponent. But that's a good one for sure. The Midnight Yell is iconic. Zebo, take over, buddy. Yeah, well, Kenny Hill, Kenny Hill smoked y'all, and then he didn't smoke the rest of the uh, SEC, so we had to flee to uh, TCU because yeah. Big Ten, big, the Big Ten is notorious for not having a freaking they defense. But... What is it, this? Like the frog? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll stick to getting smoked. Uh, we'll stick to getting smoked by Kenny Hill. You could stick to getting smoked by schools like JMU and ODU. So you know, we'll, we'll have oh, our... right. boy, Cy. Right. I'm, I'm coming at you now, Cy. Go ahead, Just... buddy. So, all right, so my number four, Holdman, I see eye to eye, evidently, because the Midnight Yell was mine as well. And just the 12th <laughs> man in general, oh, <laughs> because uh, just kind of expanding off of that. So the Midnight Yell is like regularly attended when we're talking about home games. So Holden was kind of mentioning the away games for home games. It's regularly attended by 25,000 people or more. It's insane. The entire and, and we're talking just one section of Kyle Field. And so I just think like that tradition which has been ongoing since like the early 1900s is pretty special in itself. And then on top of it, you have like the 12th man, which is just kind of like this unifying message that AM preaches. And when everyone kind of walks into Kyle field, I mean, this is a stadium that's a hundred plus thousand people fourth or fifth in CD capacity in the country. I mean, this, this place is hard to win in. And so I just think not only like the midnight yell, um, not only just like the, you know, the, the large military presence that kind of lead those events, right. And like lead those, like, just like lead those cheers and whatnot. And then also the unifying presence of the 12th man, I think is pretty cool and something you can't ignore. So just like Holden, uh, A&M is my number four. I think that's, I think what's really cool about the 12th man too, is that it extends beyond just football, right? Like it's, it's, it's their kind of school philosophy. Like I really appreciate that A&M is that invested in their sports. Um, Baseball, the tradition with uh, with walking walking a batter. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen that before. It's it and you know it's the 12th man representing there. It's like one of the most entertaining things to watch and daunting. So AM does a really really good job in terms of um, showing up the games and having traditions. I got I got to give him props for that. Whether, that's whether we're the weirdest fans you'll ever meet. It's the nicest stadium I've ever been to, but they are the weirdest fans. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. E, what's up? What, what do you got? It. Yeah, I got number four. I want. I, I wouldn't. Uh, couldn't make a list without mentioning College Game Day in some capacity. So I think it was a little <laughs> too general to have a specific oh, point. Going. So number four is um, 
Washington State having their flag flown at college game day 200, <laughs> 200 plus shows in a row. Um, for those that don't know, obviously they have, I think they mail the flag around the country to different people in that area, depending on where it is. Um, and someone always shows up with the flag and flies it uh, on I TV during game day. I think they've had a couple of close calls, but they've always gotten it done. Um, I think it was originally a way to try to get college game day to go to Pullman, which was entirely unsuccessful for a very long time until, uh, until I think recently they were there, maybe the, uh, must've been the Minshew days, I guess. But, um, but, uh, yeah, that's my, my number four. I like that you, I like that you made the Minshew reference since you shaved your mustache off, you know, you had to, uh, on another mustached man. The full story is that I was trying to like tidy it up a little bit and I went way too in close. (laughs) So I had to, (laughs) otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, I would have uh, I would have wrote it out. But oh, man, we're gonna miss the quarantine mustache on this show. I know. I know. All right, I'll jump over four. This shouldn't surprise any of you, as you guys know. I love my I love my uh, singing, but I love sing-alongs at college football, man. Whether you go to West Virginia and you hear uh, "Take Me Home, Country Roads," whether you go to Tennessee and you hear you know good old Rocky Top, whether you go to Michigan and hear the Victors, I just love a good old fight song and. The whole stadium singing along, especially in big moments, it gets me hyped. I used to, I, I was that one guy in our group that would sing the Carolina theme song every single time it came on without, you know, without a doubt in, in, in my mind. Like, I just think sing alongs are so entertaining, especially when people have fun with them. So that wasn't, that was just a casual chill number four for me. Um, I had to, uh, my good country roads mentioned, but uh, so what, JMU played West Virginia this year mm-hmm. and the entire lead up to the game, I was like, we're winning. And, Cause I was like, we're not going to hear a country roads today. And then of course we lost by like a touchdown, but West Virginia was terrible last year. Yeah. They're pretty um, bad. Yeah. So, and we like just didn't play well. So I generally thought we should have won. So I skedaddled before it came on because I was like, I'm, I'm not listening to this shit. Um, <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah. Um, that's that's, yeah, that's a good one. Left and, and bolted for Houston. Um, yeah. Last point at, at Tennessee, actually more so than Rocky top, uh, the uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter this past year, all their fans sang "Friends in Low Places," and to me that was like that was a highlight of that game. That's, that that's, was awesome. that's pretty dope. And that's Holden's uh, favorite song. My number three, uh, I picked the War Eagle flying in pregame in Auburn. Um, I've been to a couple Auburn games, and. You know, that is really neat. They'll they'll start it, like, up on the top of a ramp, and, and it'll fly around. Um, their fans, like, try to keep a chant going the entire time, and they run out of breath, and it's kind of funny to listen to them. And they're <laughs> trying to keep out war drawn out for, like, 45 seconds. But um, I, I think it's it's really cool, and it's, it's something unique to them as well. Fair. Solid. That's awesome. And, uh, and for my number three, I, I actually don't have the same one as holding this time, luckily. Nice. But uh, I know I've been, I've been making fun of the Big 12 already on this podcast, so I figured I'd give them some type of redemption. My number three is Texas-Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry. Um, I think just since they started playing in actually the year 1900, it's been one of the longest standing rivalries in college football history, let alone just sports history. And, you know, whether it's, you know, like – uh, oh gosh, Sam Ecklinger. Oh gosh, uh, I'm forget like the quarterback Ellinger. of Texas, Ellinger. Ellinger. Yeah. Whether it's Ellinger versus Jalen Hurts or Ellinger versus Baker Mayfield, I mean, like these are two programs that are known for top tier quarterbacks. 
And also, I love the fact that Oklahoma will travel about three miles from Norman into Dallas, and then, you know, all all the Longhorns will travel about three hours north from, or sorry, from Norman to Dallas, they'll go three hours south. From Austin to Dallas, they'll go three hours north. So they truly are meeting right in the middle in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, I actually lived in Texas, Holden. I'm not sure if you knew that or not, but I actually took my girlfriend up to the Texas State Fair, and that entire arena is like, it's insane. Like it's actually like the middle of the Texas State Fair, and it becomes this like huge amusement park around it. So um, I just think like that has like more sentimental sentimental value to me. But just those games are so close, and like Texas and Oklahoma have been widely known for like the most recent years as being like the two dominant teams in the Big 12 outside of Baylor here and there. So I mean, those are usually like the best teams that make it. And so I think that's special in itself. So the Red River rivalry is my uh, is my number three for those reasons. Is that game the only thing keeping that stadium like from being demolished? So so I found out that the Dallas soccer team plays there, which I think is like the only other saving grace because Jerry Jones, you know, Jerry Jones would not let any soccer players touch the turf in Jerry World. Are you so sure about they, that, Zach? I'm pretty sure, unless that uh, they've got Toyota which, Stadium. It depends which oh, soccer team. Is that the stadium that? That's the MLS stadium. Frisco? Yeah, yeah, that's where JMU always plays for the championship. That's where the MLS team plays. Oh. So unless there, there maybe there's a, uh, I don't know, another. They, they could play the Rangers old stadium now too. That's where the XFL team played. So I think they're actually, <laughs> not, I think they're knocking that down now. Oh, yeah, the, it, it's got to be on its last legs. Yeah, the Rangers are building a new stadium too. But anyways, I mean, regardless, it's it's such an iconic stadium in Texas that I can't see them doing that because that's what they actually like center their yearly state fair around too. Like that's like the middle of the map essentially. So uh, so yeah, but <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. Alrighty, E, what's up? Is it me? Oh yeah, it is me. Um, three for me is uh, oh yeah, whiteouts at Penn State. Um, I just think like night game at Penn State, white out, like just an amazing atmosphere. Like, I, I don't know how, exactly how many people can get into Beaver Stadium, but it's a crazy number. Um, just always a rock, raucous atmosphere. Um, always love watching those games on uh, Saturday nights if they're the ABC night game. Um, I just think great atmosphere, cool scene. Um, you know, we are Penn State, all that kind of camaraderie feeding into that. Um, I just just love the atmosphere of those games. Cool. That that can't can't complain about that. Especially like uh like you said, it's the the whiteout is so easy to to see on TV. You know, like and that's it's one the of the vi- it's visual, visual of it all. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, number three for me was SCC tailgating specifically. So a little bit of a uh, throwback to Zach and Zach and Holden. Obviously, you know, you guys don't love our SEC bias over here, but there's a rhyme to the reason. And like Holden said, with a lot of these schools. They don't have professional teams, whether you're talking about Ole Miss or South Carolina or Alabama or, um, you know, even the Tennessee has one. Like the Vols were such a big part of their, you know, tradition growing up. And all these schools that I've just mentioned are incredible tailgating spots. Obviously, you guys have seen South Carolina yourselves. And, you know, if I, I think you guys had a good time. But um, I just think I just think there's so much like energy and like flair that goes into those tailgates, no matter how good or bad we are. Or those teams are people literally just. They all week. That's all you think about. You're, you're thinking about that that tailgate and that game and how you're gonna celebrate before and how you're gonna 
drink your sorrows away after and or or, or you know if you win you how you're going to celebrate so um tailgate's always going to you know be pretty special down in the sec so that that's that's number three for me and i'll always have special memories of that yeah, south carolina fan tailgating is really the only thing that gets us through football season to be honest with you <laughs> at least the last <laughs> years for sure. yeah um and and as as evan was was giving his penn state whiteout story i, I was thinking about uh when Spurrier was still at Florida, 2001, South Carolina did a blackout, and uh, they absolutely killed us. And Spurrier thanked us after the game, made it easier for their players to see the ball. So that was all <laughs> I could think about. So my number two has actually already been mentioned as well. Uh, Chief Osceola at, at Florida State. Um, I've been to one Florida State game, uh, 2017. Uh, South Carolina was playing Wofford, and I was scared that we were going to lose to them like we did the Citadel two years prior, mine and Cy's senior year. Uh, they run the same offense, same conference. So I was like, you know what? Mike Houston. Get out on this. I'm going to go to somewhere different. So a buddy and I went to uh, Florida State, <laughs> paid $6 to see them play Delaware State, um, who, like, is an FCS school, didn't even have the mandated number of scholarships available. Like, this game was 70 to nothing in the third quarter. <laughs> But regardless, uh, still got to see that, and I uh, wish I'd have been able to see it for a night game. But Chief Osceola to me is a really cool tradition as well. For sure, Zebo, go ahead. Cool. Well, keeping it in the ACC, I figured I'd uh, you know talk about my bias and and give Virginia Tech a shout out with oh, Sandman on. with one of the coolest. Hey, with one of the coolest <laughs> I just stadium entrances in the country. Where are we just like, okay, our tailgating is not prime time, not, not even anywhere close <laughs> to, the, to the SEC. But once we get into the game, like, it's just, it's such a, it's such a cool experience where, like, you can actually, like, start to feel the anticipation. Like, they kind of, like, start playing, like, the low music. Like, the team gets released from our locker room. The away team will come out, and then they'll just, like, stop. And then, like, you just hear inner Sandman bland, uh, just like blare it in the speakers and like everyone's jumping up and down. We've actually caused earthquakes before as a result of everyone jumping up and down in unison. We've, uh, we've been on the seismograph, which is like hilarious in itself. So I just think in, in outside of that and just like giving an accolade to Virginia Tech's inner Sandman enter, entrance is something in itself um, and the home that Beamer built. And then also, I think it's cool, too. I've actually seen two games there against very primetime opponents. Like, we're talking opponents that were in the top five. So uh, my senior year, I got to see Ohio State come in. And this is like Braxton Miller, Cardell Jones, and uh, JT Barrett. You actually, We actually didn't know before the game. The big question coming into that season was, is the national defending national champions, are they going to start Cardell Jones or are they going to start JT Barrett? That was the big question. That question was answered that game um, in that stadium. So, you know, actually we were beating them at halftime and then Urban walked them into the uh, locker room and smacked them around a little bit. They came out and they just destroyed us. I think they actually outscored us in the second half, like 24 to three or something like that. It was horrible. But um, those special moments is, is probably a reason why Virginia Tech's inner Sandman is number two on my list. Who was who was the quarterback in that that game that halftime said they're going to have to do more than that to get me out of this game, and then he got so, killed like right after. Yeah, so his name is Michael Brewer, and I actually That's so hard. so when I was living in Austin last year, I actually ran into him at the gym. He lives in Texas, 
and wow. he's just hanging out. Yeah, so he was wearing hokey gear. I was wearing hokey gear. So we uh, we um, just like talked a couple times at the gym and whatnot. But yeah, he, that was him, and he actually led them the year before in actually beating Ohio State in the horseshoe. And so yeah. he was like all hyped up and, and ready to go. And then you know things just they took a wild turn pretty quickly. But uh, but oh, yeah, man. that was Michael Brewer. Yeah, Zach, you said we're gonna get him on the pod, right? Yeah, we actually could. I Once have we build up some street cred, you know. <laughs> Once we actually like are somewhat recognizable and not complete jokes. <laughs> more, more than 17 subs. But, uh, I, hey, I think we're on our way. Ev, go ahead, man. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll, and then just to add to Zach's actually, the, the cool part of that too is like the tunnel of its, in and of itself. It's like, it's like this super tiny tunnel. I feel like you, I think you can only fit like two or three people across and it's like you're barely um, – kind of able to get under it from uh you know from the ceiling so it's just like the claustrophobic yeah. tunnel and then you touch the hokey stone um it is a good one despite that i will yell at your bias um but uh my number two is gonna gonna make some people angry but it's uh howard's rock that uh comes in which i'll close this down right now congratulations <laughs> on heading a stone great how tradition. does that one make it but inner sandman doesn't in your book i, don't understand. I right. just well, oh, it's also the hill. I think the, I, I like the hill that they run down the hill. I don't oh, know, they ran like down a hill. Oh, my God. Can, can I think I'm the gonna... hill is hype, dude. I think the hill is hype. You can you got to, like, you know, shuffle oh your step a little bit, dude. I like the hill. I don't know. I, I, need, I need to make a couple couple points no, about, no, about no, this no, whole no, no. I figured I'll, I'll let you guys oh, carry oh, away. The, uh... oh, we're, saving, we're saving Clemson for later, Holden. I promise there's a reason behind that. We're saving it. Trust me. You can talk all you want about it at that point, but just – just hold I, have, it. I have a lot to say about this hill interest. <laughs> a little bit, and we'll talk extensively about this after. My blood pressure's going up as we speak. Yeah, you can tell Holden is upset. Oh my god! See, I I promise I'm going to even out though in my honorable mention on Clemson. So All right. I'm I'm going to end neutral on Clemson, and I'll I'll save it. But maybe that's what Sai's talking about. But yep. Um, number two for me is Army Navy. Um, that one was. I don't really think that needs to be explained. Like, you know, patriotic, it's incredible. Every year, doesn't matter how good or bad those teams are, it's always a spectacle. Um, it's tradition. It's it's just a beautiful tradition. And I, I like it, it was impossible for me to keep it off their list, and I knew I wanted them high on the list. So Army Navy for sure. Um, go America. <laughs> That's my number two. <laughs> All right. My last my number one. This was the only one that I had not seen. Sai actually mentioned it. Um, country roads after a West Virginia win. To me, you're like kind of like Sai mentioned, there's something about having that many people in unison, like singing a, a song like that together. But to have something so specific to your state would make it even more special. Um, so, like, I, I've seen videos of it, um, particularly the one that, that went viral recently was after they beat Tennessee and Charlotte. And, uh, that that's probably my number one that that would be the one that that i think is coolest and, and want to see in person oh yeah oh, that's yeah. a good one and for uh and my number one is i just touched on it is army navy i think it's cool how you know just before the game the entire student population of the army cadets and the navy midshipmen um they walk and, and you know march on the field i think that's cool um a cool like you know just from like a spectating standpoint really cool to see uh, you're going to see great flyovers. I mean, they debut all the military aircrafts. They fly them right over the stadium. I love the fact that it's in Lincoln Financial Field up in Philadelphia. It's just like in the cold, in the winter. 
I think there's something special about that too. And um, also as of late, the competition is actually, it's not just like a, a game that you kind of throw on TV. All right, when is Navy going to run away with this? They did for the they did for 14 straight years from I believe from like 2003 to 2014 15 something like that. But Army then won the next three years from 2016 to 2018, and then I think it just went back to Navy last year. So it's a little bit more competitive now, and that makes it more interesting. So Army Navy is my number one. Yeah, that that's actually my number one as well. I won't t- talk too much more about it, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, a little uh, not too unique here from you guys. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think the game in and of itself is a great tradition. The walkouts are amazing with the uh, cadets and the midshipmen. Um, the fact that they're able to do it, I think the week after the normal college football regular season ends is pretty cool. So they almost have their own day for it. Obviously, there's tons mm-hmm. of other, uh, you know, uh, uh, postseason, postseason stuff going on. But, um, yeah, I think it's just cool, cool tradition and obviously, like, the president will go and that kind of stuff builds up the camaraderie and uh, yeah, just always a cool game. Yeah. Um, I, I, if there's one that I'm perfectly happy with us having mutual consensus on, that's definitely one of them. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. Hold on. Americans I, are not picking it. Like, no, I don't, I don't. I don't <laughs> think Hold it's un-American. <laughs> we brought this guy. What we are we doing? No, I'm just messing with you. All right. My number one, um, it's just going to be entrances, crowd dancing in general. Um, I think it is the greatest tradition in college football overall. Um, whether you want to point to Virginia Tech with the uh, inner Sandman, whether you want to point to jump around at Wisconsin. Um, obviously, I have my own specific examples of it. Um, I'm going to tee this up because the reason this is number one for me has a very like specific moment attached to it. This is one that I know Holden and I will remember for the rest of eternity. Freshman year, 2012, number six team in the nation, College game day, George comes to town. We are the night before not sleeping, staying out on the lawn, trying to get on TV, trying to be there for college game day. Huge moment. We know if we win this game, we're going to put ourselves in a position to really be on, uh, on, on the national map as far as national championship goes. Next day, we walk into that stadium. Before the game even starts, there was a intro, and I hold you'll remember this. Um, there was a intro with a soldier that popped up on the screen. Um, and, and no, he, he sent a video in and it's, they brought his family out to the middle of the field and they um, introduced the family and said like, hey, um, like here's a message from your from your husband and your uh, your father. And they played this message and the whole family was crying and the whole stadium was like collectively like like in the big awe. You heard it all around the stadium. And the next thing you know, you see him run out the tunnel and he's running the field. The family has no idea. And literally we're all just like going nuts and I will never forget that because more than the game itself that was the loudest I've ever heard South Carolina we were beyond capacity whole stadium was shaking it felt like an earthquake like you were saying like it was insane and then the game started and that first enter Sandman oh my gosh like I'm getting chills right now thinking about it and wait Sandstorm sorry Sandstorm Zach's got me in the mind my fault Sandstorm started playing I I started losing my mind and we go out there and we steamroll them. The game is 35 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. They score one touchdown at the end of the game, 35 to seven, just dominate them. And I'll, I'll always remember that. And obviously that's a specific moment for like me and Holden, but I know Zach's going to have that with uh, Enter Sandman. I know people in Wisconsin are gonna have that with jump around and there's just so many of these traditions everywhere. And I think when you think about your games, those are the things that people point to. So that's why that was number one on my list. Um, yeah. And Going off based on that, here's a, I'm going to put you all on the spot, and I'll start, but I'm going to say, give me your 
either your least favorite tradition or an honorable <laughs> mention of something that you would want because Evan kind of teed this up for me and I'll go first. My least favorite tradition mm-hmm. is when a nationally ranked top 14 <laughs> decides to, to, I'm going to excuse my French, storm the damn field every time they win a football game, you know, when they beat an unranked Syracuse towards the end of the game or when they beat UVA. This is why I can't give them the rock because how is Clemson allowed to storm the field as a top team in the nation every single game and pretend like that's okay. Like that is such a terrible tradition. I know I'm a Gamecock fan, but regardless, like bias aside, that is so, so, so dumb. That is my least favorite tradition in college football. And that's why I asked holding the weight because there is so much to be said about, about their tendencies. So that, that's, that's what it is. What's up? going in? Meet at the Paul. Yeah. I don't know, man. You, you go. You Tell me what you, uh, tell me what you mean. All right. All right. Where, where do I start? With that entrance <laughs> in and of itself, um, it, first and foremost, it's a rock that sat in Frank Howard's office for years just completely unattended. They're like, he didn't even care about it. I don't know how it ended up on a pedestal <laughs> at, at the top of a hill. Um, <laughs> it, it, here's, here's, like, let, let's go through the entire, like, you know, path starting when they leave their locker room. We're talking about a rock. Uh, the, the state of South Carolina itself is, is not rich. We have the corridor of shame down towards the bottom of the state. Yet we can find a way to pay for like three or four buses to go less than a tenth of a mile around a stadium. Like how how are we coming up with that sort of funding for them to <laughs> ride a bus around the state? Walk, walk like <laughs> you buses. Here's the other. All right, my my last point with that. They release like an ungodly amount of balloons every time <laughs> they run down that hill. <laughs> they have a helium shortage. Like, I remember what, helium shortage. Why are, you, why are you doing that? And then you're supposed to be a, a school that's all about agriculture and, and the environment. Don't those balloons have to pop somewhere and just litter like <laughs> everywhere? And then, and then their fans in general, you know, what blows me away about their fans is they honest to God believe that they don't pay kids to come there. Like they honest to God believe that it is the culture that that our Lord and Savior Dabo Sweeney has created and, and that they have never paid a kid. Like you can't tell me that five-star Sammy Watkins leaves Fort Myers, Florida to come to a six and seven Clemson program in 2011 without getting a little, you know, I mean, <laughs> I love it. And that's just, man, that's not just Sammy Watkins. I mean, like who was alongside, who was like the other twin receiver alongside yeah, of Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins. But no, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins literally grew up in Clemson. Yeah. He grew up, he grew up in there. Oh, did he? Oh, makes yeah. more sense. Like, yeah. But like, like Todd Boyd getting, was the quarterback back yeah, then. Getting, I mean, he could have yeah. gone. Like I was getting clowny and Lattimore made more sense because they were from hometown, right? Like so, like it, it's it's shocking when these they're coming to this program that literally had no like tradition of winning at the time, um, just out of the blue. But then again, a lot of schools pay their players, and it's not like we're sitting here as South Carolina fans pretending like we're better than Clemson. We oh, kept- for sure did it. I mean, shoot, our fourth string running back had like a, a brand new Chrysler 300. I know. So, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, I'm but sure. At least we admit it. You I'm know. Sure- got his own you know we know we don't know Let, let's not speculate on that but evan evan zach go ahead after you guys have yeah have go for it i uh, i am equally riled up i told you i was going to even out on clemson i do like the hill in the rock 
But the, the storming of the field every single time is absolutely pathetic for me. Very. Like, I just don't, I, I don't understand, A, how that started, like why they think it's a good idea on so many levels. And then to pivot over to pick on UVA a little bit, we have teams storming the field <laughs> when they're favored. Like UVA is doing it all the time. I, don't, I can't even think of a school that stormed the field or the basketball court more times when they're favored to win. Like they did it against an unranked Miami team or something like that, I think a few years ago. Like what, I'm trying not to curse here because this one does does get me, you know, fired up. But uh, like, what are we doing here? Come on, let's have a little bit of respect for our institution and that only, True. you know, storming the field once in a while when it's warranted. The other point of that, Ev, is like, that the moment you actually do get to storm the field, you know, when it's like a closed game or like a team that's, you know, ranked at the same level or higher than you and you beat them in a closed game, it completely takes away from that. Like, I still remember when we beat, when we beat Georgia or in the like two years, our first two years, we beat Clemson in closed games and we lined up, but we were not allowed to storm the field. Like we had people standing there with, with, you know, firearms, like holding us back. Like we, we were not allowed to go on that field. Um, an sec rule it, it we, is but that, we, would get, we would get fined like yeah. with it being we've stormed the court a couple times for basketball so if we were to storm the football field it'd be like 100k fine so but that, that's the point right yeah. like we we have we consistently or at least over the last two decades have have been the conference with you know the the mo you know with the alabamas of the world and stuff and clemson beats like nobody's no offense to your virginia tech but you guys aren't even in the same like side of the ACC as them, but they beat basically nobodies and then storm the field. Like it doesn't make sense. And like I've said, UVA, like, first of all, I'm just tired of UVA fans in general because like they don't go to their games for like five years. And then all of a sudden UVA is good for one season. And it's like UVA football. I got to watch UVA football. They so, had to pack it all into one year, storm I, the field, you know, <laughs> become ranked. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. Zebo, go ahead, man. I'd probably say, it's a toss-up between the uh, I don't like the miss the uh, the Mississippi State cowbell thing. I think that's stupid. <laughs> that's <a good> one. <laughs> I was just like thinking about these like random uh, Asai and, and Holden were going. But another one I can't stand is the turnover chain. Like it was fun for a year, but like when Miami is just consistently terrible, like yes. there's no excuse for it. When even with how bad Florida State is, Florida State's still knocking Miami around. That's when you know you're bad. So mm-hmm. those are probably my two. So I like that story. I Is like that, that still around? Dude, yes. They were doing it last season. Uh, trading. Look, well, if you want to return over well, I thought that was like a one-year fluke thing, and I, I, I liked it for that reason. But yeah. Well, Ed, the reason there. why you didn't see it around was because they weren't they were making any turnovers. <laughs> Dude, and, and then if you wanted to have a turnover train, you should have done it in the 90s with like Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and all those guys, you know, because it actually makes sense. But now, now I'm like, dude, I, like, I'm tired of teams that aren't like, it, it's like both sides of the spectrum, like teams that are too damn good to be storming all the time and teams that just aren't good having these kinds of traditions. It's like, come on, if you're going to have a tradition, you have to be, at least you have to have been good when you establish that tradition. You know what I mean? That, like, that's the way I look at it. But yeah, Well, it looks like we're <laughs> right at nine here, yeah. but um, so Awkward, we'll probably man. close this out, but Holden, it was much appreciated getting you on yeah. today, man. That was a yeah, ton man. of fun. And this is one of my favorite subjects, clearly based on uh, how how long we talk for. This is everyone's favorite subject. So um, just from like an audience standpoint, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Leave us some comments if you yeah. uh, disagree, agree or disagree with us and feel yeah. free to uh, leave some questions too, man. And we'll, uh, cool. maybe we'll get you on. Holden, you got any, uh, any last words? Before we yes, sir. Any, any, uh, any last words before we sign off? Anything uh, you want to point to? You good to go? 
Go Cox. Go Gamecocks, baby. Yes, sir. All righty, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Like Zach said, uh, everyone stay safe. Hope you're, hope you're all uh, healthy and well. And thank you for listening to Mondays Down South.